0: Hello and welcome to Healing From Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki master energy teacher and author of the newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, which shares stories and messages from spirit that show us our challenges are not merely economic, political or societal but a disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. I am delighted today to welcome Dr. Rosie Ward, author of Rehumanizing the Workplace, which will reinforce the need for leaders to remember that everyone thrives in environments where they feel cared for, safe to create and innovate and part of an organization's shared purpose. Hello, Dr. Rosie Ward, and thank you for joining us today on Healing From Within. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Rosie, as listeners of Healing From Within have come to expect over the years, my guests and I share intimate observations and realizations of the nature of a physical and energetic life experience and ways to know ourselves and how to merge the needs of the heart and mind so we can become the best version of ourselves, helping to find peace, love, and happiness in a world of many challenges. In today's episode of Healing from Within, we will try to come to realize how our rapidly changing world is becoming increasingly complex and also disruptive and while it brings many opportunities for innovation and improving the human condition it also triggers people to operate from a place of scarcity fear and self-protection which can lead to disconnection and eroding well-being on both the organizational and individual level we will discuss the five humanizing principles that we can begin to put into practice to foster a more sustainable future, both at work and home, nearly every place in, in our world. Rosie, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, perhaps a place, an event that may have signaled to them or others around them the values interests work and lifestyle they might pursue as an adult so think back to your earlier days what were your thoughts and where did you want to go in life
1: i love that question i think you know as far back as i can remember i was always the the friend that everybody came to asking for advice or leaning on and once upon a time i i thought i wanted to Turn that into following in my mother's footsteps and become a psychologist. And in fact, I started out in college; that was uh, initially my major. And then I and then I shifted gears and realized there's a better way to support and um and help people. Not I I hundred percent believe in therapy and psychologists, but for me, I was like, I think there's a different path for me. Um, but so it was really how can I help bring out the the best in people, be a caring ear for people. Um And so then I started getting into the world of professional coaching and, um, you know, taught group fitness classes and so I had a lot of different avenues of how to bring the best out on people and then eventually after experiencing twice in my life the ill effects of working in a toxic work environment and how much that sucked my own well-being mentally and physically out of me, I became really passionate about if I want to make a bigger impact for people, It's not on the one-on-one level. It's it's got to really evolve and change these workplace cultures that are eroding people's health and well-being and happiness.
0: Yes, well, you were a healer. You wanted to help people to understand the content of their own whole essence, physical and soul. And uh, and you are, in a way, like your mother. (laughs) She was a psychologist (laughs) helping me. And you're helping with your writing and your coaching and helping people understand how to set up environments for their well-being. So I'm the same way. I always wanted to help people, too. I didn't think I would be writing a trilogy of books to do it. But in time, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I discovered my energy healing work, and I I began to understand life on its many multidimensional levels. And though I was always helping as a teacher when I was younger and in all my careers, all the work I did and all the places I went, ultimately we were always just trying to be a better version of ourselves and to help and love people and nurture them and ourselves also. Very good, very, very well said. Tell us about your becoming aware of the problems in organized businesses. Which have not supplied their employees with all the resources to be most productive and happy. Yeah, I mean
1: this this started long before the the pandemic and all of the events of the last you know year and a half. But you know you start to look at uh, a lot of organizations take an approach of what I call playing a bad game of whack-a-mole, right? Like they they throw band-aids at, at stuff. They don't really want to look at the underbelly of what uh, might be keeping them from being effective. And so too often uh, leaders in organizations and then the overarching organizational culture just starts to treat human beings like predictable, controllable machines. So you start to see a lot of, like, incentive use or do this and you'll get that. You start to see a lot of taking away um, people's ability to think or to choose and and kind of big brother, and, and it just it, – it starts to – erode people's ability to, to think and be creative and innovate and feel like they matter. Um, and so if you just start to look at research from Jeffrey Pfeffer and others, you know, our workplaces, literally these toxic workplaces where it's poor leadership and poor morale and people not feeling cared for and not being able to use their their gifts and strengths and being worked, you know, way too much, and, you know, and wearing that as a badge of honor that these workplaces were literally killing us and were the fifth leading cause of death in the United States and 8% of our healthcare spend. And I can only imagine it's it's gotten worse since then. And so, you know, if we want to really have a difference, we can't say, oh, here, person, go heal yourself and go to a, a practitioner or go to a doctor or go to whoever you go to and and then expect them to try to heal themselves, so to speak, and then go back into a toxic work environment. It, it's not productive. And so I just became really, really passionate about, we we've, we've got to look at this from from a different lens because it's 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 not getting us very far by trying to say individually you you heal yourself but the organization we're not looking at the incredibly huge role
0: it's playing
1: yes. in what people are experiencing
0: you know you you mentioned covid and covid has affected the world in many ways never seen before and it, i think we can from that experience, find a new evolution of human thought processes that might impact us in a better way in our workplaces and in understanding human nature and what people really need. So through the lockdowns, working from home, having the children at home, we have discovered that technological advancement, social media, the Internet, while it has put humanity... And given us some peace of mind because we were able to stay connected during uh, the pandemic and lockdowns, we also see the problems we have uh, through uh, technology. And we've got to start to find the balance and return to the core values of what really empowers a person or a business to be effective beyond fear and dysfunction. And And you mentioned five rehumanizing practices that can help foster a sustainable future. You tell us the first one is build a lighthouse. The second one is create fearless environments. The third one is wade in the messy middle. The fourth one is show up as a leader, and leadership is behavior. It's really not the title or the role and find your tribe. So tell us something about those briefly. Yeah. So the first rehumanizing principle would build
1: a lighthouse, and this is both on the organizational level, and I will say on the individual level too. If you think about what a lighthouse does, it you know cuts through the fog. It helps you know when ships are in stormy waters, it helps them kind of know where to go. Right? It provides a bit of that calm of okay, I, I I see the path forward. And so when we think about building a lighthouse, is do you have clarity of your purpose? So as an individual, do I know what my why is, what my purpose is, what what drives me, what makes me tick, like what, what I'm here for. And organization, have we actually clarified a purpose beyond our product or services or making money? Like what what are we actually, what are we here to do? What does all that serve? And and then hand-in-hand hand with that purpose or that why is our core values. And this is where I see things go astray is that, you know, organizations maybe pick words on a wall and these are our core values, but they haven't really translated them to clear behaviors of, you know, this is when you're in alignment with our values. This is when you're out of alignment. So people have a clear filter for how to show up. And on an individual level, same thing. Like if, if I don't know my core values and I don't know when I'm in alignment or out of alignment, it's hard for me to know how to show up. And so the, the, the why and, and the operationalized values really go hand in hand in helping ground us in the midst of chaos and disruption of, of helping us, you know, how am I going to show up here? How am I going to move forward and and have a good impact? And so again, we can do that at the individual level or the um, organizational level. And it's really a game changer. So that, that's, that's the lighthouse principle. Uh, The number two, create fearless environments is, you know, you hear a lot about like psychological safety. We're talking about physical safety with, with, you know, pandemic and other things, but psychological safety is huge. Do I feel like I can, speak up, share my ideas, ask for help, say I'm struggling, you give difficult feedback and not feel that I'm going to be retaliated against or, you know, it's thrown back in my face. And so whether it's in our workplace teams or in our families or in our communities, we have to create these fearless environments that are psychologically safe, where people can show up, speak up, um, because it's just, it's essential. And and then the, that leads into the third rehumanizing principle that you mentioned, which is to wait in the messy middle and this one I think is is the one I love to hate in that as human beings man if there was a fast forward button and we didn't have to go through the yuck I'd be all over that but it it doesn't exist we have to go through it we can't we can't skip past grief we can't skip past growth we have to get uncomfortable we have to fall down right we we have to we have yeah we have to mess up and so wait in the messy middle is normalizing Uh, the discomfort and leaning into it and guess what it's really hard to do that if you don't have a fearless environment where you can like it's okay to fall down and it's hard to do it if you don't have that lighthouse to guide you to go okay it's hard right now it sucks right now but i can see a path forward so they all kind of build on each other fourth rehumanizing principle you said is show up as a leader and as you mentioned we we define leadership as it's maximizing our positive impact on the world by becoming our best fully authentic self and supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness. So that means that it doesn't matter what our title is. It doesn't matter what our role is, that every single one of us has an opportunity to show up as a leader in our life. And every day say, am I, am I doing the work on myself to be my best fully authentic self today? Not perfect, but you know, better in, in whatever's going on in my life. Well, I'm up as
0: best there is no, as best. no perfect. I my positive impact. Yeah, there is no, yeah. Yeah, there is no it, perfection right? no no there is no, a, there no. is only no, yeah, right. learning through imperfection it seems you also use the term oh Vodka, which stands for volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous and that's the outside world that's our probably business world that's our everyday world so we we need to work through that more from an inner sense of our personal power, interest, talent, spiritual guidance, and to reflect that into the world more into our work environment, our home environment, uh, and let use Volka or the outside world uh, to give us opportunities to do that. Right? You use that word quite a bit in yeah. uh, in you know in the book. So, is there something more you want to say yeah.
1: about that? Yeah. So, with with that with that acronym, basically, we 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 didn't coin it, but it's been used for a long time from from the army, actually. And looking at you know these rigid hierarchies, um, don't is not where stuff gets done. And we have to really look at um, you know flexible networks of teams and how do we all you know form and reform groups and all of that. And so, what I've learned is that. When we can put language to something we're experiencing, it helps us process it, right? We can name it and go, oh, that's what it is. And so the acronym VUCA is the way that we refer to it, but the acronym VUCA is really just naming the fact that we are living and working in a world where disruption is the new norm. And... and even like being able to name it, like, you know, oh, you have a technology snafu, or now we're, you know, we're all being in lockdown again, or whatever's you know, gone on, literally we'll go, oh, VUCA, or, you know, and it just helps you go, yep, so here we go, like, expect a technology snafu, expect something to not go your way, and rather than getting all upset about it, you're like, this is this is the world we live in, so we have to be adaptable, we have to be flexible, and that really does feed into that the rehumanizing principle of show up as a leader because you know we in this volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous world where you know disruption is the new normal we have to be able to and within all of that say how can i make a positive impact here how can i show up as the best version of myself given these circumstances and not wait for someone else to tell me what to do or someone else quote-unquote more qualified to step up or fix the problem or whatever it might be and so and 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 so That's actually the premise of my podcast and work is really, you know, how do you help each and every person realize we all have a responsibility to show up as a leader? And guess what? We can't show up as a leader if we haven't done the work to wait in the messy middle and look at our blind spots and be uncomfortable and fall down and everything that goes with it. And it's really hard to show up as a leader if you don't have a fearless environment. And it's hard to show up as a leader if you don't know where you're going. So all, all of the rehumanizing principles really
0: help us navigate this disruptive world that we live and work in. All right. So how did the workplace become so dehumanized in the first place? Was it different in the past?
1: You know, it's funny because I, um, I've i had people say, well, it's interesting that you're your book and work because uh, the purpose of our company is to rehumanize workplaces and i've had people challenge me to say but were they ever really human
0: <laughs> well that, that's sort of what <laughs> i'm saying I, i'm saying there were always challenges in the workplaces all throughout time yeah. and all throughout the tech yeah. uh, you know the uh, uh, industrialization of our world now it's uh, the technology era that we're in. Uh, each each change does bring on certain challenges, but just it's always been difficult because the outside world, which Volca shows us, has many things going on. We can't control. We can't control nature. We can't control most events. The only thing we can do is, you know, our attitude and how we, we uh, focus on what we can do uh, to make things right for ourselves and others, right, so that 's the challenge yep. and and you you, you mentioned a book Dying for a Paycheck by Je- Jeffrey uh, <laughs> Pfeffer, uh, who estimates that one hundred and twenty thousand yep. Americans die every year due to stress connected to work, and it, it 's not only the work itself but it 's the ways in which we lead, manage, and organize companies that result in Suffering. Suffering. Now, suffering is, Mm -hmm. is, I have come to know, like anything else, a choice. But sometimes we don't know how to make the right choice to put ourselves in another environment or to fix the environment we're in that's so toxic and causing the problem. So... You know, many people think of the business, a business as a jungle in which survival of the fittest is the cardinal rule, like, you know, kill or be killed. And we've been dealing for that with that type of mentality a long, long time. And in my book, I also discuss this, the need for leadership. Each of us is a leader. Each of us is a healer. Each of us has the ability uh, to shine light into the world and to rejoice at life itself, which is, I think, a miracle. Uh, But we have to get past some of this thinking. So why is it important that we come to know who we are and how to use that wisdom to improve our health and our levels of happiness and our workplaces? So why is it? Yeah, there's a there's, a, there's a
1: lot in that question. And yeah, and I, I guess I would just say that, you know, we we live and work in an imperfect world, right? And I think that the and we all have blind spots. I feel like knowing ourselves is an ongoing lifelong journey because, you know, new variables happen and we learn something new about ourselves or, you know, the way we showed up a year ago is different than the way we're showing up now and how we handle things or what what we need to to, to be whole, right? Like we, we use this exercise called ingredients to be my best. Well, those ingredients might be different now. And so I think the more that we know ourselves and the more that we are taking intentional steps to be as whole as we can or show up as best as we can, as you said, not perfect, um, that, sometimes that's the best that we can do because we can't control. I mean, the only thing we can control is ourselves. We yes. can influence people around us, but but we can't control And we can influence our work environment, but we can't control the work environment, we can't control the policies, we can't control the weather, we can't control a pandemic. And so I think that, you know, if we look at our sphere of influence versus our sphere of control, at the end of the day, we can control our attitude, our mindset, our reactions. And so the more that we do work, to show up as uh, the best version of ourself versus a reactive, triggered, hijacked version of ourself that is not very helpful. And it's really hard to maximize your positive impact when that version of you shows up. Um, that we just got to do work to go, but I, I need, you know what, a grounded, clear, um, self-aware version of me who's going to be curious rather than judgmental, who's going to listen more than I speak. Like That's where we're going to make an impact if we can all start to do that yes. work instead of just doubling down on our rightness and judgment.
0: That's correct. And, Rosie, you wrote this. What does it mean to be human? We are divine beings worthy of being treated as such by each other. We are the only creatures with imagination, a moral compass, and free will. Each one of us has such extraordinary potential that it is hard to conceive of any limits on what we can achieve. Businesses refer to human beings as a resource. But We are not a resource. Human beings are the source, capable of unlimited amounts of caring, creativity, and innovation. But if people are treated as resources, they become that. They get depleted and they burn out, just like lumps of coal. The human seed has never been more potent. People today are more intelligent, more educated, better informed, better connected, and more caring than Ever before, but the soil around the human seed remains toxic. Most workplaces do not enable human beings to operate at their peak potential and deliver the gifts they were born to bring to the rest of us. To take the analogy further, we can use seeds in different ways. A seed can be simply used as bird feed or it can be used to start a whole new forest. Too many of us are being used as bird feed. And that's exactly right. We are so much very more than our physical body. And we have so much love and compassion and joy and and humanity to put into the world to help ourselves and others. And I, I love that you wrote that because that's everything I have discovered in the last 25 years of developing my own spiritual talents and gifts. And I, I just love that you said it that way so let's go oh, on you. to what are some of the observations that lead many to think we are a society in decline and to be honest with you we really are so we need to make a yeah. big shift yeah. to, to to begin to grow upward instead of downward so tell me about that
1: yeah, so uh, this comes from uh, the work of Margaret Wheatley and others of really looking at, like, studying ancient civilizations across history, and you start to look at, like, the different phases uh, of civilization, and, you know, when they're start when signs that they're starting to be in decline is, like, where you start to um, have this uh, ridiculous, almost attachment to, like, a celebrity culture, and you start to see a bigger divide between the haves and have-nots, yes. people starting to... Like turn away from the moral compass, and and it was and you know I, it's de- it was depressing when, when I was reading that from her work. But as I looked at that, and I started to look at the parallels to our society now, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, the point. Like if
0: this is well, that's why I want <clears throat> That's why this was one yeah. of the most important questions I wanted to ask you. You say money replaces service as the core motivator. Hierarchical leaders focus on maintaining power at all costs the future disappears because they're only living in this moment and for uh, you know their own personal uh, how can i say motives or agenda the status quo is preserved by the few elites who prosper from it and relationships disintegrate into distrust self protection and opposition we're seeing all that now so do you think it's possible to save our nation God,
1: I hope so. right? Um, or, I uh, think it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do. And so I think I think part of it is you can go, oh, my gosh, doom and gloom. But I think if you can be aware of, oh, my goodness, this is where we're at. I think that I think that there's a huge opportunity for a reset. And I think that in a lot of microcosm ways, you know, this last year and a half, there's horrible, horrible things. And some of the silver lines is there's been some huge resets, resets in companies, resets in families, resets in communities, resets in, you know, within human beings themselves. And so I think if we can wake up and go, holy moly, we're we've been on this, you know, freight train going down this track and we can actually reset and it's not an overnight thing. But again, if everybody starts to you know, to sound like a broken record, but starts to own their part and look at how can I show up as a leader and do some of the work to be more self-aware.
0: And well, we, we need a
1: curiosity. We are doing it.
0: Books like yours, shows like yeah. this, are doing it. It's showing us the possibilities for each person to take yep. responsibility. And when each person comes in with these new attitudes, new energy, new new ways, we're we're going to to correct. Uh, the tipping of the scales, yep. so to put it. So I want to thank you, Dr. Rosie Ward, author of Rehumanizing the Workplace, for sharing a clear, very clear view of how important the workplace is and all the places where we spend so much time and how it all affects our physical, spiritual, and emotional development and health. Earning a living simply for money. Oh, it leaves the creative and need to be caring and attentive to all people we interact with out of the equation of the core values or real needs of all human beings. To learn more about creating a working, living, loving environment wherever we spend time is the key to living a life of purpose, prosperity, and happiness. To read more about this and to purchase this book, Go to DrRosieWard.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have concentrated our attention on learning more about the human dynamics of interaction with others and creating safe, healthy work environments, not merely for profits, but to advance humanity and the evolution of kinder more creative beings. We realize that what we're ultimately called to do is not just build thriving workplace cultures, that's an important start, but we are called to advocate for the advancement of humanity. Our purpose is to rehumanize the workplace so that people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. Our seven points of transformation blue point, uh, which Dr. Rosie Ward gives in her book, is an important ingredient for rehumanizing workplaces. And there are so many other facets necessary to have and advocate for workplaces that nurture humanity. Dr. Rosie Ward and I... Would have you begin to remember that the changes we are living through at the present moment are an opportunity to return to the wiser more loving, simpler values of, appreciation, of appreciating life, people, and the natural resources of our beautiful planet. Embracing work, home, and nature are the way to create a world free of just materialism or greed and begin again to appreciate our human quality of being safe and happy in all our pursuits of learning and sharing. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, author of the newest book in my trilogy, A New Life Awaits, and invite you to visit my website to read about and listen to leaders, visionaries in the fields of metaphysics, science, spirituality, business, psychology, medicine, and the arts and music to share ways to improve life on all levels, individually, and collectively. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.